Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sapphire Wire podcast. I'm Lisa Johnston. And I'm Kyle Johnston. And it's been an interesting, eventful week in politics here in the state of Kansas. We had a U.S. Senate candidate debate, as well as a number of poll results that are released this week that were quite conflicting. Yeah. So we're going to dissect and analyze some of that. But we're going to start with the Roberts and Orman debate that happened in Johnson County today. And it was very interesting uh, Roberts, once again, as he was at the State Fair debate, was very aggressive, and he was trying to stay on message the whole time, and his message essentially is, who is Greg Orman? And talking about all of his Democratic ties and donations, and saying, he won't answer the questions, so you don't know who he is. Uh, and he mentioned uh, Harry Reid. Uh, in pretty much every statement he oh, made. Oh, and Barack Obama. Yeah, or Barack, as he likes to say. <laughs> uh, and he also brought back uh, Nancy Pelosi, so brought her up a lot. Yeah, so it's, you know, tying him back to these key Democrat Democratic people. Now, the irony that I thought about as as this was going along, and I didn't count the number of times he came back to that core message and bringing up, mm-hmm. you know, the Democrats in Washington, but... It was extensive, so much so that I found it quite tedious, and I imagine some other people would as well. And the irony for me was that he spent so much time trying to, you know, punch this message about who is Greg Orman and that he's really a Democrat and all of these kinds of things that I felt like he actually didn't answer some of the questions very well because he was spending so much time hammering on this message. So that was ironic because he says, Greg Orman won't answer the questions. And then he spends all of his time talking about how Greg Orman doesn't answer questions instead of answering the questions himself. Yeah. And the, and the other thing about that too, is that he's spending so much time kind of focused on his, his bubble of Washington that he doesn't really think about how it impacts Kansas. And so he, he doesn't spend a lot of time addressing Kansas or Kansas issues. It's all kind of inside the beltway, you know, Harry Reid's going to do this and that. And it's like, uh, and I think it's less relevant to some of the some of the audience here in Kansas. Right. He he does try to hammer away on we need a Republican majority. We've got to get a Republican mm-hmm. majority and talk about how electing him is a key piece of that. Um, but it's really too simplistic, as you say, uh, and doesn't really deal with the heart of the issues. Now, Orman in his performance, I thought, you know, he tried to answer the questions well. And so much so that he gave what I thought were some pretty nuanced answers and gave a lot of detail in some cases. Now, I liked that. And I think that's okay for people who are very informed. But I think it actually, in some ways, shows what a novice he is to politics. Because when you talk about broad-based retail politics and the larger audience... Those nuanced responses, sometimes you think it's great because you're showing your mastery of the topic, but you lose a lot of people. Like, they start hearing Charlie Brown's mom, want, 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 want. They don't process it. And so he needs to have some stronger, simpler messaging to lead into the answers to these questions and then maybe throw in some details for the politicos. But I think he's being a little bit too detailed and too nuanced sometimes. Yeah, and that's what you mean by that term, retail politics. So it's people that 
uh, don't have a lot of time, maybe don't have a lot of attention, don't have a lot of familiarity with the issues. They just really need those sound bites and kind of things that are easy to understand. Right. The talking points, the catchphrases, you know, and people, people do that. And you see that lots of times with certain candidates where they have, you know, a two or three word phrase that they say all the time. And they do that because that sticks with people, you know, then they remember that when you say it like a thousand times. So that's, that's what's, what Roberts was doing essentially. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's hammering on this message. Now I, I don't think all of it is that credible, but people will remember it if they listen to this debate because he said it, you know, a lot. (laughs) Now, one of the things that I was really disappointed in uh, was there was a question about education, and I absolutely hit the roof uh, (laughs) when I heard Orman's response because um, he was talking about the fact that he thought that higher education institutions should be limited to only increasing tuition, uh, whatever the cost of living increases, like around 2%. And I thought that that showed a stunning naivete on his part, as well as a fundamental lack of recognition or understanding of the cuts that we've seen in Kansas at the state level to higher ed. So I don't know what the exact percentages are, but the at the state level, like you say, they've they've cut a cut a lot of money to state universities, and uh, those schools really don't have any other way to make up for those losses other than increasing tuition. Right. I mean, the, the slash was huge in terms of state funding, and so saying to them, "Oh, you can only increase your tuition two percent," you know, that means a lot. A lot of cuts that means a lot of people lose their job or it means a lot of students don't get the same kind of services I mean people aren't thinking about what that really means and it's really irritating and you know his rationale was that because uh, educational institutions get taxpayer funding then they should be held to that standard but frankly that logic doesn't hold true and it shows a hypocrisy and a lack of intellectual consistency on his part and frankly on a lot of people's parts who believe that because there are a lot of companies and a lot of industries that benefit from taxpayer money through subsidies through tax benefits all kinds of things and are they going to step up and say okay anybody who benefits from taxpayer money can only increase their prices up to the cost of living so are they going to for example say to exxon mobil who benefits hugely as well as a lot of other oil companies from subsidies are they going to say well since you get this benefit then you can only increase the cost of your product no more than two percent this year which on the current prices of a gallon of gas would probably be something on the order of six or seven cents Mm -hmm. is all the flexibility they would have (laughs) they would crucify anybody who said that the business sector would yeah it would be cries of socialism which, which, yeah, would not go over well. Yeah, and so because of my background, obviously, is education, I'm passionate about this, and it angers me to no end when people try to hold education to a much higher standard than mm-hmm. they hold any other business or industry. And we'll talk about this more another time, but, you know, there's always this talk about quality and ensuring quality in education and ensuring student success. 
but we never see this in any other industry. We never see medical doctors or lawyers held to that kind of standard where you have to ensure, you know, that you're absolutely curing your patient or you have to ensure, you know, a favorable outcome for mm-hmm. your client in a legal action. I mean, doctors and lawyers would hit the roof if you tried to say that to Boy. them. And I, I think Roberts and probably Orman as well um, are proponents of deregulation. So they want fewer restrictions on you know private businesses, and but they're claiming for you know colleges and, and universities we need to you know hold them to these these standards, which is right. It's oh. it's very inconsistent. Yeah. Very hypocritical in my view, and you know I'll just say this and then we'll move on. But it's frustrating again this inconsistency about how education is approached because people who haven't been in education oftentimes don't fully understand the impacts of some of these things that are said on the surface it's like oh that sounds good keep costs low but in the end you pay for it yeah so you either pay in a reduction in workforce so people lose their jobs I mean, because real people work in higher education in the public sector, or sometimes, you know, certain institutions are for-profit and private. Uh, But, you know, he's talking about, I think largely his comment was about public institutions. Mm -hmm. So people lose their jobs or universities don't have the money to fund services for students. And yet at the same time, there's all this push at the state and federal level for you know, universities to ensure that students are successful. So on the one hand, you're saying, we're not going to fund you fully, but mm-hmm. do more and make sure everybody can perform. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's absolutely preposterous and ridiculous. So we'll have to talk about that more an, <laughs> another time because that's, that's sort of a pet issue for me. But I just hit the roof <laughs> when he said that in the debate. So he definitely lost me as a voter on that issued. I'm not saying I'm going to vote against him. You're voting for Roberts. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like on the point by point, you know, issue by issue comparison, uh, I was not in favor of his response. So I guess I said that a little bit too strongly. Okay. So now let's shift gears a little bit and talk about these wildly different polls that have come out over the course of the last week. So there have been four major polls that have come out and the results are very different. Okay, so there was an NBC Marist poll that was discussed initially uh, last Sunday on Meet the Press in which Orman was up 10 points Mm -hmm. over Roberts and Davis was up one point over Brownback, which essentially is a statistical tie because I think the margin of error was plus or minus 3.9% on that poll. So that poll was done late September through early, very early October. Uh, then there was a Survey USA poll that came out uh, very shortly after that. I think it was released on the 6th, which was Monday, showing Orman up five points and Davis up five points. And the data for that were, was collected October 2nd through the 5th. Then today, there were a couple of polls released. One was a CNN poll showing Orman behind one, so mm-hmm. Roberts was up one, and the governor's race absolutely even, and that was collected during that early October time frame. And then a Fox News poll that showed 
Roberts up five points and Brownback up six points that was collected, I think, the most recently, October 4th through the 7th. So the thing about polls that people sometimes maybe don't realize or don't understand, they're very complex animals and they're done and conducted very differently. So when you look at these, you're really comparing apples to oranges to bananas to grapefruits. Yeah. They're they're all very different entities. And I spend a little bit of time delving into the reports themselves and what's called the cross tabs of the poll. Which... Yeah, so it's basically just the, the raw data from the survey. So you can get in and kind of parse things a little bit and start to understand why you have one poll that has Orman up 10 points and another poll a few days later that has them down five points. That's a pretty big delta and there's got to be a reason for that. And the way you can suss that out is by looking at these cross tabs. Now, granted, that's not always a lot of fun for people. Now, I like it because yeah. I used to teach statistics years ago, and so I enjoy doing that. But, for example, the cross tabs and the data on the NBC Mayor's poll was 39 pages. Yeah, it's, so, yeah 39 pages of, of basically spreadsheets of, of different types of data, So, so I'm, I'm not saying it's like a fun and exciting activity for anybody, but yeah. for people who like numbers, it's interesting. And I thought it would be informative for people to, to hear what I found out. So some of the polls have some methodological and sampling issues, meaning the way they conducted the poll or the people who actually answered the questions may not be completely representative of the population. So we'll start with the NBC Marist poll, which overall I thought was a pretty well done poll and they had a, a pretty nice sample size. Uh, the They did a good job with the age demographics and had an appropriate skew toward older voters because they're much more likely to turn out. But the mm -hmm. one weakness that I did see in the NBC Marist poll was the sample was not politically representative of Kansas. There was, the breakdown was about, I think, 24% Democrat, 34% Republican, and 41% Independent. Yeah. And so that does not represent the... Uh, political breakdown in the state of Kansas. Roughly, usually in Kansas, you have about mm, 20 to 25, it varies a little bit, percent Democrat. So they got that about right. But then Republican voters in the state are closer to 45 percent, and yeah. they only have 34 percent. And then independents make up uh, the balance, which is, you know, usually about 30-ish percent. So mm -hmm. their sample was skewed largely toward independence. So that might explain why Orman is up 10 since yeah, he's exactly. running as an independent. Exactly. And it would, uh, same thing for Davis. I mean, he was up plus one in that poll. And so, you know, it's, it's, uh, when Republicans are underrepresented. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's going to put him in the lead, even if it's within the margin of error. Right. So that, that was kind of interesting. So that could explain why that poll was like wildly in favor of Orman. And that one was more so than any of the other previous polls. So that was kind of interesting. Then the Survey USA poll uh, that showed both Orman and Davis up five points had a huge problem, in my view, uh, when it came to the sample because they vastly underrepresented older voters. Uh, people 65 and over only made up 21% of the sample, and people 
18, I think it was either 18 to 35 or 18 to 39, I can't remember their exact breakdown, but they made up more, I think it was 22% of the sample than the older voters who are the much more reliable voting block. And yeah, so, so you'd almost have to flip those percentages to get uh, a statistical measure of uh, that's more accurate. Right. I mean, well, they needed, they simply needed more older voters in their sample. That was the problem. I mean, the NBC Marist poll had 36% of their sample was in that older voting block, which is more appropriate compared with the 21% in the Survey USA poll. So it's not surprising then that the poll is going to lean Democrat or independent in this mm-hmm. case because younger voters do tend on balance to be more liberal. So that may have something to do with the why that poll continues to come up with that particular result. Okay, so then the CNN poll was interesting because it was showing things pretty much even. Roberts up one point in the governor's race, completely even. But I have a huge problem with the CNN poll because their whole sample was people 50 and over. Yeah. They had nobody under 50. <laughs> which which is a big problem. Um because while not many people uh, under that age vote, uh, you know they do make up uh, a good portion of the voting block, and they do tend to vote Democratic or Independent. So um, that definitely skews the numbers quite a bit. Yeah. So that poll, I have some questions about just because they had such a limited age range. I think in the NBC Marist poll, they had 13% of the sample was 18 to 29 year old voters, and then around 20% was maybe 30 to 45. So they didn't have like an enormous part of their sample as younger voters, Mm -hmm. but they had a pretty substantial block. So if you're leaving them out entirely, that's going to skew your numbers, obviously. That's not going to be accurate. Absolutely. So then the Fox News poll, sadly, uh, I double-checked. Their report and the crosstabs that I could find didn't have their demographics. So I can't tell you how it compares. So, but yeah, we don't know the, the age breakdown, the party breakdown, anything like that. So the, it's really The hard. one thing I do know, based on their tables, is they I know they had some voters under 45. I don't know how many because they had like a under 45 and over 45 mm-hmm. breakdown in terms of like percentages on different questions and things so i know they had at least some younger voters unlike the cnn poll <laughs> and uh so we you know in, t- in discussing kind of why those numbers look like that um the other factor you could consider is that political mailers are starting to hit people's mailboxes and um you know with some of the content we've talked about in past weeks that that content is being fed into those mailers and so that may be affecting voters' perceptions of the candidates. And I think that is completely on point and apropos for the Fox poll because on Twitter we started seeing this talk of this girls, girls, girls mailer that was sent out by some Republican group against Paul Davis Mm -hmm. talking about Strippergate and that issue. And from what I could tell based on Twitter comments and things, it started hitting mailboxes October 3rd, Friday, October 3rd. Mm-hmm. And then I also saw some people mentioning they were getting it on Monday, October 6th. Yeah. And the interesting thing about the Fox News poll is that the data was collected between October 4th and October 7th. Exactly. So it really overlapped. And some people might say, well, that Strippergate thing, that's old news. But the problem is 
some people aren't really tuned in. Like people who are listening to a podcast like this probably knew about it much earlier yeah, on. Exactly. But the general public gets busy with things and they may not be paying careful attention. But when you get a piece of mail in your mailbox talking about Paul Davis got caught in a strip club with the girl on his lap and there was a meth bust, yeah, so, blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. On, on the front of the flyer, it was basically this, you know, Paul Davis is caught in a in a strip strip club during a drug bust and then you turn it around and it talks about kind of some more detail with with typos and everything so um and it goes into details of you know the the commercial that he made and had to pull because of the the individual that he used in the commercial uh had been had some a checkered past (laughs) yeah checkered past that uh davis didn't want to associate with him so it kind of hit on all those topics and so if you have that sitting on your counter, you've just pulled it out of the mailbox and you're getting a, a call from this polling company, that's top of mind and that's going to affect your perception of the candidates. Right. Which might explain this, uh, he's six points down a few days after this Survey USA poll. Exactly. Well, and when we originally talked about that Strippergate incident, I was concerned that it was going to have an impact, especially among female voters once you know they fully processed what that meant Uh, and so i'm wondering if you know that timing being exactly overlapping if that's part of what was driving the results in the fox news poll now interestingly uh roberts was also up a similar amount and i don't know if that's just because people then uh, started thinking, I'm going to go Republican. There's like a halo or, effect. Yeah, it could be that. Or, you know, I think Roberts also is is ramping up more. I think initially going into the campaign season, he didn't expect to have to do much, yeah. as most incumbents don't. And so I think they're, they're ramping up more and probably advertising a little bit more than they did earlier on. Because I've seen a lot of his stuff online, but frankly... I have seen a lot more Orman ads on TV than I have seen Roberts ads. I might have seen one Roberts yeah, ad. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I think maybe now that he's ramping up, he might get some effect from that. But there could be just, like you say, sort of a generalized effect that people are reacting badly to the mailer and just going the opposite direction but, with their preferences. Uh, if people are reacting badly to that message, you can guarantee you we're just going to continue to hear more about it. So if if the GOP thinks that's working, they're going to dump even more money into that into oh, that yeah. message and in, into that attack. So, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll see more of it. And I think when we see polls in the week ahead, um, we'll start to see if this is a trend or an anomaly. Yeah. One of the other issues that I wanted to be sure to touch on and it kind of goes back to that issue of how closely people are paying attention is a bit that Jimmy Kimmel did this week where he went out on the street and asked people, who is Joe Biden? And most people that he showed could not answer that question. And (laughs) it makes me wonder, you know, is this, are we becoming like that movie idiocracy? I mean, are you kidding me? People don't even know who the vice president is. It's really, it's a really sad statement on our culture, I think. Now, to be fair, those people probably aren't voting either, especially in a midterm election where it's, it's really tough for people to even, to even get people out to vote. Well, yeah, that's the, they're probably not voting, but is, is that a positive thing? Do we want a bunch of like disengaged, uninformed citizens who don't appreciate like, the benefits of being part of a democracy. I mean, well, it's if, really sad. If they're really so uninformed, do you want them 
picking candidates. Well, no, no, <laughs> I don't. What I want is for everyone to take their responsibility as a citizen seriously and be at least minimally informed. Okay, I'm not expecting everybody to be like a high level engaged politico. I mean, most people can't eat and breathe this stuff you know, most minutes of every day. I mean, it's just not possible for most people. They have lives and responsibilities and things that are more important to them. And I understand that. But there's a difference between not being a political wonk and, you know, just being completely uninformed <laughs> and oblivious. I mean, there's, there's a big delta there. There's like quite a continuum. And I, I think it's not too much to expect people to know who the vice president is, frankly. Uh, but it does speak to a problem with, with midterm elections and kind of speaking back to the poll results is the key in midterm elections is get out the vote because much in the same way that people don't know who the vice president is, a lot of people, even though there's yard signs littering the streets, <laughs> uh, don't realize or don't understand that there's an election coming up. And so... Uh, people are just apathetic in, in some cases, and it's it's really important that people, that candidates get these people out to vote um, because it has a big impact on on who wins and loses. So yeah, if, well, uh, apathy is an issue, and yeah. apathy is an issue because sometimes people don't feel like the choices are that great. And frankly, yeah, I, I have to admit <laughs> that this year there's no one that I'm like in love with and so passionate about. Yes, and sometimes people end up voting for you know, the person they think is the least problematic. And that's not a lot of fun. You want to be passionate about somebody and excited for somebody, but there's not always someone like that on the ballot. And I would say even some of the candidates are kind of running on that ticket. So, you know, Davis, for example, oh, yeah. isn't really talking or answering questions about what he plans to do or what he's all about. He's really just the I'm not brownback candidate. Right. And that's really all all he needs to run on. Right. And to but, some extent, Orman has tried to capitalize on that too. He's he's kind of changed his messaging a little bit where he said a couple times during the debate, you know, Pat Roberts says Harry Reid and Barack Obama are the problem and he's half right, but uh, Mitch McConnell and Pat Roberts are also yeah, the problem. So is a good line. Yeah, so that was pretty good going back to the issue about he needs more catchy retail politics kind of messaging. So that was that was pretty good on his part to to bring that up. But he's also trying to then capitalize on that. I'm not Roberts. Yeah. Cause he knows, you know, both Brownback and Roberts have some problems in terms of their favorability ratings. People aren't thrilled with them. But they have the power of the incumbency, which, you know, oftentimes leads people to be reelected even when they're not very well liked. Which is crazy if you look at the congressional approval ratings. I think they, you know, fall below cockroaches and... and you know, Lice or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so nobody likes them, but they, they keep getting reelected, which is kind of insanity. But Yeah, it's frustrating. Well, but going back to our core message, people do need to be more informed. They need to take elections seriously. They need to vote. Now, obviously, we don't want people voting who know absolutely nothing. And I think that does happen sometimes, especially in presidential years where people haven't researched the candidates oh, yeah. and they just go in and, and check the person with their political affiliation. Yeah. By, so, oh, my parents were, you know, Republicans or Democrats, I'll just vote that way. So Right, which is frustrating. And, and I find myself uh, 
sometimes wishing that more, if not all, of our elections were nonpartisan, so people had to research <laughs> candidates, or or they'd be just wildly guessing because there'd be no party affiliation. But I really wish that people would vote for the person and not the party, because I think that that's really important to find out who people are and where they stand and vote for the person that you feel would do the best job. I mean, that's really the bottom line. (laughs) Maybe someday. Yeah, hopefully. Dare to dream, right? (laughs) Okay, well, that does it for today. Thanks so much to everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. And we'll post all this content on sapphirewire.com, so we'll link to the debate video, the Jimmy Kimmel bit, some of the polling information, and we got a picture of the Paul Davis flyer that we'll post as well. So until next time.